Welcome to Reframe Your Life. I'm Joanne Gibson. And I'm Sandy Reynolds. Together, we bring you our podcast for women who want to live and lead their lives thoughtfully and with intention. On our episodes, we explore diverse topics relevant to all areas of our lives. Hello, Life Reframers. Joanne and I are here with Patty Hall, who has actually become almost like our third host on the show. <laughs> this will be the fourth time we've had Patty on and the third time in this series. So I'm not even going to read her bio because it would be like reading <laughs> our bio now. We feel like you should know her. And if you are just jumping in for the first time, you might want to go back and listen to uh, Memoir 1 and Memoir 2 anyway, just to catch up with where we are. Today, we are finishing our third in our series on memoir writing. And Patty, as usual, and as we expect now, is going to just drag us over the hot coals <laughs> of our past have us so vulnerable and raw in the next <laughs> hour that we'll be all crying by the end. We actually don't know what Patty's going to do today. We're just know that it's going to really bring this three part to an end and wrap up some of your questions around memoir writing. And I'm just going to toss it over to Patty right now. Hi, Patty. Hello. I love the control reframers. And, uh, <laughs> I, have, I have an honorary third seat. I feel like I should yeah. be a courtroom reporter. Maybe <laughs> uh, everybody wipe that smile off your face. It's a serious <laughs> memoir business, serious <laughs> memoir business. So we're in number three. So I'm going to do the boring recap thing that, you know, should be your be, be your responsibility, but I'm just going to take her. <laughs> so, I'm just going we, for a drink. I'll be back. <laughs> when we dove into memoir one, we uh, I, I picked your brains a little bit about why you might not have started a book already or even scrolling back farther about when the idea of writing your life story pops into your head why do you not go to the page? Why do you feel, you know, your chest tighten up and sometimes your stomach heave or the thought of it just has your brain whirling and before you make yourself feel worse, you <laughs> shut the thought down and put it away. And, you know, I think we hit on a lot of the messages that I hear from people. And I know that your listeners are thinking of some of these now and put them in the comments and send a note over if we're missing yours, because we can always talk about fears later and how to reframe your fears. But ultimately, we have all these barriers in our heads, don't we, that we get stopped up in any kind of moment where we're going to put our toe in fresh water, we get stopped up. So mm -hmm. first goal of memoir is before you can even turn the tap on, um, how do you stop yourself from worrying about barriers like um, who's going to listen to me? Why is this important? Um, I don't sound very good and I don't really have a life story anyone would want to <laughs> uh, read about. There's all kinds of self-judgment. There's all this self-deprecation. And behind all of that is what if people don't like it? And what if it's not important? And uh, what if I don't want to even write a book? What if I just want to write about my life? So there's there's always um, the story we tell ourselves and then there's what's at the right of it, uh, sorry, at the root of it. So why write? Write because you can, write because you want to, don't think about the quality, don't think about whether you're a good writer and don't judge your own story. I say to my clients all the time, it's none of your business. And mm -hmm. I think actually, I think I heard Cheryl Strayed say something like this once about, you don't get to decide how your reader's going to react. The best you can do is lay your story down. And we know a little bit just from tugging at you in the last couple of episodes that once you sort of open the tap up and you say, what, what is the writing really about for me? Then you feel this freedom to tell your story and not worry about the destination so much as the trip. And that's what the writing memoir really needs to be. By the time we scrolled into the pain and agony of memoir two, <laughs> I was pulling memories from you guys and we were talking about how you actually get this thing started, right? It's like, how do you actually get something on the page? How do you know if you've got a book? And I think uh, I took both of you through a discussion of what your book might contain. And we talked about a master memory list where you just do a gigantic brain dump of everything that you think your book might need to include in order for you to feel like you told your story. So you can come up with a master memory list. It's a big bunch of bullet points. It's a big to-do list with that you put X's beside if you decide to keep them or not keep them. 
And then that helps you develop where the essential part of your story might start and the essential part of your story might end. Because what's true of memoir by definition, which is different than biography, sorry, autobiography, is that it has a beginning and an end, which is usually conceptually around a particular time or series of events or something that happened in your life that you can put boundaries on. In my case, um, my first memoir is about a period of time when my son was diagnosed with rare disease. So I knew I was going back to the time just before diagnosis. And I knew that I would end sometime after we knew how well he was going to do in treatment. So I was able to put some years around that. And in episode, the second episode in Memoir 2, we talked about the dates that you guys might kind of put on memoirs of your own when I turned the tables very uncomfortably back on both of you and said, okay, okay, if we're going to get you talking about this. And I know with Joanne, we talked a little bit about when this sort of five to six to seven year itch started for you where you guys mm. made this move and taking that back to that period of time. And for, for Sandy, we talked about sort of the a 15 to 20 year period that was about where your kids were young and then you started to think what all of this religion aspect and your meaning in your life and where you were going to find your spirituality was coming from. So although we don't have fixed dates for you guys and we really don't need them, we did talk about the periods of time that you would go back to in order to start a timeline, to mine your memory for essential events, and to come up with this master memory list of what would have to be in there in order to write your books. And that's where the that's where we were in memoir two when I started to talk to you about choosing pivotal stories. I think this is where we left off, that you'll be choosing a pivotal scene or pivotal stories that are moments where you can go in and really put flesh on the bones of a moment that was on topic with a theme that you're representing in your book. And we started to get into themes like resilience and self-identity and survival and healing and reframing, dare I say. And the authenticity piece about as we move through our lives and we want to come back to our authentic selves because maybe we got a little bit off path or maybe our life has been all about staying authentic and how we've stayed on track with that. So first we've dealt with barriers, we've gotten past that to minor memories, talked about tools, we were doing the thematic hits that we might want our book to hit, and I was noticing with you guys that you were going, yeah, maybe people would be a little more interested in my story than I sort of perceived in the beginning. So I think my first question with to you guys today is, now that we've had a little break and you've, we've mulled it over, which is essential to the writing process, how do you feel about the idea of putting pen to paper? Is it less intimidating? Is it more inviting? Or is it somewhere in between? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for that amazing recap. I'm really glad I, I asked you to do it because you did that way better than I would have done. So thank you. I think that really summarized the journey we've been on. So thanks, Patty. And Sandy, why don't you jump in? Because you're already writing, aren't you? Right. So I'm finding it um, very appealing. I'm really enjoying it. And I think the biggest surprise for me in what I've been working on is how um, it's really unearthed a lot of stuff that I, I felt like I had dealt with and had resolved on some level, but going back and reliving it has definitely been, um, a challenge for me. Like it's, it's been, um, not a barrier, but just like I've had to push through it. Good. Mm. And characterizing what challenge means too is, would you say it's, that has evolved a little bit for you? Yes. Sort of leading you there but like what where it starts feeling challenging becomes very different once you write a little bit yes exactly so I I feel like um, one of the things I've appreciated is just getting my story out and not trying to edit it or think about it grammatically mm -hmm. anything like that just getting the words on the paper so when mm -hmm. I do get stuck it's nice then to go back and kind of play and fix up a sentence or something and not have to be writing while I'm in that stage. So it's mm -hmm. good. When you're writing before, it's to produce a blog post and stuff. And so what I like about this is just write because of, of the process of writing rather mm -hmm. than write mm -hmm. to get something published by a certain date. So I think I haven't actually started writing 
a huge amount, but I think when I do, it just it'll just free up the mind of what you said earlier, Patty, around you know expectations and yes. what I, what do I want the reader to hear and stuff like that. So um, you know, you raise yes. this great point that takes us to process a little bit, doesn't it? And mm. you know, we're so often um, we say, "How do you get started?" But that's uh, and that may be a lengthy decision for people. That may be years that they've been contemplating a book but haven't put put first pen to paper or sort of officially called it a book. But then there's this writing process of being in the muck of the really treacherous work sometimes of digging into your memory and not knowing how you feel about things and expecting that it should be easy or expecting that it's not hard work because, for example, what if you're already writing a blog of, say, 500 words every day? Or what if this is something that you do as a matter of fact business for yourself that you you write a little bit every week for your work? Uh, you write reports at work, you think this should feel like that, and it simply doesn't. And mm -hmm. this is brought back to me by my clients all the time who think they should be um, past a memory, perhaps. Mm. You know, maybe, they've, maybe they've lost a partner or a parent, or um, they feel like they've managed their grief and their years through it. And then they have this moment to revisit it on the page, and they're saying, wow, this is far more emotional than I thought. The process of writing is really visceral. I mean, you're digging into feelings and emotions and your body will start to go back to the place that your memory points it. And that's a surprise. And I know wh whether Sandy, you can speak to this and certainly I know Joanne in future you will, but maybe Sandy, you can speak to that feeling really burdened sometimes at how challenging the process is. You know, I've got to go to the page. I really, really want to, but sometimes you get there and you either put yourself off going back or you're not <laughs> sure you're not sure you can keep going. The process itself can be quite arduous. Yeah, so I'm just I'm going to put in actually a shameless plug for working with a writing coach now because <laughs> yeah. every time I've hit that place, Patty, you and I've had a call in like the next day or two and that's really helped me process it. So okay. I, I just am going to say, you know, we're all coaches in some area of special you know specialty yeah. and um i think that there's um you know whether it's accountability or working with a writing coach or just being very disciplined at meeting deadlines on your own like sort of that internal motivation those things i think are helpful because it's easy to not i mean i think we avoid pain. So if it gets painful, it's easy to just put it aside. But for right. me, having that, um, first of all, internal motivation that I want to get this done. And second, knowing that on Monday, I'm going to be talking to Patty, and she's going to want to see something. <laughs> right, right. That helps. It does help, you know, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. it's reassuring to hear that, of course, for me personally, but it's really inviting for other folks to reach out and say how really hard it is and I I would expect Joanne you, you would become really vocal about this over time and maybe we follow this up in a year and see what it's like mm. to write a piece of personal narrative for each of you but it, you know I think you would you'd have words around how really tough it is to go back when you've built your life on moving forward forwards mm. yeah it's funny how you said that because since we spoke last, I've had a few conversations with different people and one person said to me, you know, I noticed this pattern of moving around every five or six years. So you're now at a five or six year point of being in Cambridge. Like what does the next five or six years look like? You know? Right. And uh, I was like, oh, I, I wasn't expecting the question and um, – so, you know, answered it in the best way I could, which was literally that we take opportunities as they arise, basically. Um, but it was it was interesting because what that led me, what that, although I'm not writing, I'm still processing. I'm still processing in my mind. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe this is our life. Maybe settling down somewhere and staying somewhere for 10 plus years isn't really part of who we are because of our life experience maybe it is maybe it isn't um but it's got me to think about so what could this writing be about you know what could this although I just said you know it's all about the process and not the end product 
I kept thinking it was this thing that I was challenged with myself that I felt really emotionally challenged with around children to have or not to have. But uh-huh. maybe it's just about this big, huge adventure that I'm going on called life, you know? Yes. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's exciting for you to, you know, have to even consider and allow yourself this. I think I hope that your listeners get a taste of this. You know, we go into this thinking we know what it is, right? And even for you to come to terms and be able to say here in front of however many listeners and me, somewhat of a stranger, even though I'm the third chair, I might (laughs) add. But to be able to say, I think it might be around this decision about motherhood and then to dig a little deeper and say, you know, this was a script that I read from. My brother had children. My, My brother certainly hoped we'd raise our kids together. And I talked to you about how how essential that memory of telling your parents that, you know, you were getting married and they wouldn't be there and that you weren't going to have children. Those moments and you thought it was about that. But having taken time away the past couple of weeks since the break between episodes, I can see for you that it's really become I love the way you put this. What could this writing be about? Mm. It's you is the answer. Mm. The writing writing is about you and nothing else is construed at this point. And I love where you might go with that. So if you, if you want to riff on that a little bit, I'd love to hear more. And if you're willing to say sort of what conversations or what events put you thinking bigger picture, um, put, put that in your head that you could think bigger picture, not that it isn't big enough that you would be wrestling with a couple of the decisions that have shifted your life, but Could this be about your life as one great adventure and us honing in on what the pieces of that are? Yeah, and I think it's because of where my husband and I are right at this moment. So I I could see as part of a process to help us make decisions on what we want to do next. You know, so, yeah, so, okay, it may be about, uh, I love what you said, and that's resonated with me from the first session. Like you don't have to necessarily write to produce, just right. just write. And, uh, you know, I think in the context of where we're at, my husband's finishing up his master's. Um, you know, I've been in business for a few years. We've been here for so many years. And, you know, I think we're both having some pretty deep and meaningful questions about life just because of where the world is at right now and what we want to do and how we want to live our life. Um, so I thought as I was driving around with my mum these past, um, you know, <laughs> two, to, two to three weeks, like, could the writing be the, pro, the part of that process that um, helps us get to a decision? Because right. we, we have lived our life through opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. But what does that mean if another opportunity doesn't arise? You know, when do we put our stamp on no, this is what we're going for. No, we do want to move back to Australia in five years, so this is what we're going to do and no other opportunity is going to sway that right. or or not or do we just wait for the next opportunity to arise? You know, I think that's kind of where I'm at and where we're both at at this point in time. So mm. writing about my journey over these past, what is it, 17 years and included mm-hmm. in that is the story around parenting of course right and is the stories around living away from family is all these stories that I kind of still carry in my day-to-day life um but I'm feeling like this could be a process to help shape you know like I'm 40 what am I 44 45 this year Mm -hmm. like I still got another 40 years to go you know (laughs) right right fair enough and and it's not predestined, is it? No. So, I mean, here's so here's a value in writing about your life that we don't often get to talk about that is a general benefit, to bring it back to sort of a generality. Mm-hmm. A general benefit of memoir is having a bird's eye view of your life and highlighting what you want only really becomes relevant if you're thinking about an audience or if you want to polish the writing or if you want to really hone in on something particularly um, celebratory or otherwise particularly healing or that you want to heal from but to look at it from the bird's eye imagine having a look at this if we could look at what your books might be with fresh eyes now and of course we can't right we can't go back to before we met one another and started talking about books but I would never have imagined upon meeting either of you that this is what your books would be Mm. So, you know, I would never have known that Sandy was ready and felt it was right timing to delve into 
her spiritual journey. And I'm being, I'm heavily overgeneralizing what mm-hmm. Sandy's book might be about. And Joanne, I would never have envisioned that we would be talking about higher level themes of life meaning and success and what that means for a person when you make some alternatives that are outside this social script that we're all fed. I would never have thought we'd be talking about um, what you want in future is something you learned by examining the past. I wouldn't have imagined that, right? Because doesn't everybody come to you saying, oh, so you'll be moving soon. Like, doesn't everybody kind of think that you always have a hippity-hoppity plan for what Mm. the next thing will be, when in fact, you're always waiting for the opportunity to drive your next your mm-hmm. next change, but maybe one won't come. So you open yeah. up to the fact that maybe there isn't something um, that's immediately in our future. Maybe this is the time where we do break our pattern. And by writing to explore that, you're writing for the process, not the product. And I am glad that you highlighted that. The other thing I wanted to say at the very beginning when I thought, well, who wants to read my story mm-hmm. is um, – I've kind of gone, well, who wants to listen to my story? I put out a bloody podcast everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I should be over that, and I am. So I'm like, oh, my God, you put, you put your story out there every week, you know. So get get over who wants to read my story, you know. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, you know, um, and are you willing to be wrong, right? So there's the thing about mm. the writing as process is – if we go into this thinking that we know what our books will be about, we're doing a disservice to both the writing and ourselves. So how do you um, told yourself my memoir is going to be about my child rearing my, my childbearing decision or what I decided my life was going to be about when I was in my teens or whatever generality or, or pinpoint, whether you want to go big picture or finite on this. But if you had gone into this saying it's going to be this, I know it's going to be this. Think of all of the organic flow of material and memories that you might have negated as being valuable and when we decide things too far in advance with writing inevitably I think it's kind of funny but the writing proves us wrong Mm. it does and this is why you know humans are the only ones that write books you know we're the only species that is is telling stories and has this facility for language because it keeps us humble and we need the humility. And each one of us gets humbled by the fact that our story takes a turn that we didn't anticipate. And whether we want to write that in the past or use it as fodder for the future is a decision that we make. And writing gives us the ability to go in and examine what this life has been about. So we have an episode coming up where we interview Sandy about her um reframing of her business and we're not going to make any spoiler alerts here yet it'll be out in a week or two uh but when we did we have recorded it already and and I mentioned to Sandy you know probably doing the podcast every week has helped you really decide on how you want to reframe your business and Sandy I want to ask you um probably the process of writing Amen, Mark, because I know you're, you actually want to write something to produce. So the pro- process of writing a memoir has helped you decide some things about your future too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I think it's just brought a lot of clarity. So I yeah. already um, was recognizing this within myself. I, I think it's, it's, you know how in life things, it feels like nothing's happening. And Joanne, this might be part of what your experience like there's no movement, there's no movement, there's mm-hmm. no movement. It's like spring, all of a sudden, oh, wow, there's leaves everywhere. I feel <laughs> a little bit like that, like it's been um, kind of dormant, and now a lot of things are converging. So I think the memoir writing, the podcast, I think all of these things have brought this clarity around this focus for me. It's the process, right? And yes. that's what that's what we're all about is um... – is that we're on the way to something and our writing will allow us to examine it along the way. And that's what I wondered a lot about coming into today's recording was what this sort of time has been like for you since we started talking about um, the role of memoir in your life and the storytelling aspect and starting to see your life as a series of scenes that you could link together in order to illustrate these broader themes and experiences. And in a way, that's exactly what your podcast does is you link together writers and women and talk about the experience of being who we are and the constant challenge to look at things differently for ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. And writing as a vehicle for that is just an extension of what you're doing in the podcast, I think. Yeah. So I think there's been like sort of an unexpected thing that's happened that's not quite related to writing my memoir, but it's related to story is that I keep thinking about what are the stories that I want to make sure carry on. Mm. Uh, And so when I um, am with my granddaughter, I will often recently I'll say to her, do you want me to tell you a story? And like not read you a story, but tell you a story. And I'm pushing myself to be a storyteller. Mm. And I think that's coming out of the memoir writing, like just thinking about my own stories and thinking how I I want to be more of a storyteller in general. Right. You know, can you throw that back over to you, Joanne, about a different way to conceptualize how you might write about your life? So for me, the intrigue is I want to know what it was like adjusting to each place. And I want to know what your surprises were and not just the moves that you've made, right? The traveling and truly the, the somewhat, well, and in some cases, extensive physically arduous experiences that you've had. Adventures, sure, but we're talking about taking on really tough stuff and your discoveries about self, but also your discoveries about place and what place brings to your experience. And I wonder about you seeing the stories in your last 17 years, as opposed to looking at these overarching themes. Maybe Mm. that's the place where you kind of go in and say, okay, let's see what the experiences have been that have really hit me as most meaningful and that I might want more of. You know, is that a way that you start to decide what's coming next for you? Do you want more of this? Do you want more of that? Do you want to feel the way you felt the first time, you know, you put your feet in ankle deep snow Or do you want to feel more the way you felt when you climbed a mountain? It's you have had so many of those experiences and those stories to tell people who really will never have that adventurous spirit, but also the ones that can identify with you. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. You know, as I was uh, traveling with mum, we were talking about where I got engaged and how I got engaged, and and mum said, you know, I just couldn't believe those photos and. You guys had hiked for four hours or whatever it was, you know, and you're <laughs> high up in the mountain. And people often ask us, you know, what's the best place you've lived? And my response is we make the most of everywhere we are. So I think there are stories that I could call upon that would highlight some certain themes that I'm trying to um, – think about I guess like something I said to my mom these past few weeks is you know traveling and living in different countries just helps you grow and accept so many different things and not that Mm -hmm. people who don't do that don't accept but um, you know we just we don't assume all bank account systems are going to work the same we don't assume getting your driver's license is all the same so I think it just helps invite a, helps us invite question and hopefully acceptance at a different right. level. That my fear is going back to Australia. Have we outgrown it? Right. To be mm-hmm. honest, like that's what I'm like. Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to be able to settle back into one spot? And I don't want that to sound snobby or anything but mm-hmm. I, I know from friends who have gone back that it's a challenge to go back as well just like it's a challenge to move forward and go to a new place it's also a challenge to go back and see how you know life may have moved on without us mm-hmm. um and not only that but we have we have changed ourselves so yes. I don't know if I really answered your question there mm-hmm. but Um, You know, and what I love is that you're so happy to explore this stuff now because we got you into looking at themes in your life, right? Yes. And so here's an exercise that I love to go through with folks as they progress through the writing process. So I often open with like a baseline question and because it's the... um, it's the theme that is on actually on the memoir writing workbook that I'm going to offer you to, I'm going to let you send to all of your listeners for free. It's called, what's your story? So here's my segue to that, which is Mm. I always ask this question when we start. So, and sometimes it's couched in, you know, a little bit of sensitivity and I gab on about it, but mostly what I'm asking is what's your story. And when people start with me, this is, you know, it takes 10 minutes 
and and so it should because they're just they're just thinking this question through for the first time and then i'll say a couple of months in or a number of pages in or chapters in or what have you what's your story now and i've already seen with you guys that if i'd asked this in episode 1 what's your story that we would have we would have had a very different answer than we have right now yes so in order to share with your listeners who I know will have and I, I know that people are telling me and people are certainly telling you guys that they're going back and they're listening to these sort of one two three and I think they're going to appreciate the progression that we're now talking about tangibles we're now talking about I would write about this I would highlight these scenes and these memories and answer and ask these questions so let me just toss it over to you. Pressure's on. You thought you weren't going to have to talk, Sandy. Oh. Back to you. What's your story? What's your story now? So if I said to you, what's your book about now? What are you thinking today? Okay. So before I answer that, can I just yeah. make a comment on Joanne's story? Because yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about, on one of our episodes, um, Joanne shared a story about when she first moved to England and they didn't have a lot of money and how she learned to shop in thrift stores. Mm -hmm. And so I was just for some reason thinking about the story she shared in our last memoir podcast about mm -hmm. the message around money yes. growing up and getting her first job. And that was a really... Great, yes. great story. And so I was in my mind, I was thinking about Joanne's story just now and thinking, is there like some theme around that that she could draw on with um, in mm. her story? Mm. Because there's that, that, um, I don't know, I haven't made the connection. It was just something mm. I wanted to put but out Do you think there, there may be one? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe you see it, Joanne, but... Um, oh, yeah, which then leads into being an entrepreneur and selling services for money. And, yeah, of course. Totally, yeah, totally of course. Connection. Yeah. So, and I think that's something that a lot of women can relate to, like that yes. sort of money and power and control story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And how much it influences your um, sense of being mobile and the sense of freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then you get into entitlement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. So back to me. <laughs> back to me. Yes. Yes. So, and this is great. It's great the way it pops up because I think you're right about that, Sandy, that there's ine inevitably a connection between stories there that would make for a very good chapter. Yeah. The, um, so what would your story be if I asked you today? And if you can reflect on where you think it's come from and to Sandy, I think that would be really meaningful for folks. Yeah. Oh, that's a hard question to answer because it's mm. almost, so the way I'm feeling right now, to be honest, is it's that conscious incompetence thing. So, you know, when I started, I thought I know where it's going to go. And just like you said, that it's humbling and then you don't know where it's going to go. And mm -hmm. I'm almost sitting in that place right now where I'm not sure what the where it's going to go anymore. But okay. I think it will have something to do with... Um, the word I've been using a lot in the last few weeks is alignment and about sort of all of the, the ways through my, through certain experiences that I've had to kind of find a way to align who I really am mm -hmm. with how I live and bring uh. those things together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and, and I think that sounds, it sounds a very high level if I can sort of, mm -hmm poke at you a little to bring it down. It's, yeah, we're both doing high level today. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is great. But, you know, and then, then it's the, what will you use to illustrate that for people? What, what micro journeys through your life would you use to illustrate how you're this constant evolution to move into alignment? How do you see that playing out in your life and your memories? So I think, well, oh, go ahead, Joanne. Gosh, I was just going to jump in like you jumped in with me. Yeah, do it. And, you know, again, the episode is coming out, but just aligning your business now to what you want it to be. Right. Is is one chapter, I, I, you know. Ah. Like you've, you've always been an entrepreneur and you've dabbled into corporate in terms of being an employee, but you've pre predominantly been an entrepreneur for the last 20, 30 years, whatever it is. Um. And if I can share that, that what you were doing was very aligned with with 
who you were and your, that stage of development. I remember you sharing one story. You you were in certain organizations and then as soon as you felt like there was nothing else to learn or, um, you know, nothing to give and nothing to get, then you, you were drawn back to being an entrepreneur. So you were, you were aligned at that point, but then there was an, a point in your life where you felt like, okay, I need to be that next layer honest with myself of what I truly what my true alignment is I guess so I see that as one chapter mm-hmm. just on oh, yeah. business mm-hmm. entrepreneurship yeah know? great mm-hmm. yeah I like that I think that's thanks for doing some of Sandy's work yeah <laughs> but I'm sure she can see another chapter in this <laughs> well I think yeah. there's alignment for me around um the messages I believe or the things I believe about who I am in terms of like growing up in a very dysfunctional home and feeling like I was the black sheep and, you know, didn't really belong. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the alignment of really finding out, you know, sorting through that and um, aligning with who I know myself to be not what other people say. Sandy, I have to jump in. I have to jump in. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, I remember, I don't know which episode it was about, but I remember you sharing the story about some of your friends, like, being shocked that your children weren't going to go to university and stuff. Right. So when you just said, you know, I don't know, dysfunctional home or what kind of home it should be, and and I remember you as, as as a young mom trying to be very open and accepting of what your children wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just relate that to, is that related to because of your childhood that you wanted to make sure your children didn't have, like they could be whoever they wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, Good point. I like that. That's, that would mm-hmm. be, um, that was definitely a big thing for me is that um, giving them the freedom yeah. to be, what they felt they wanted to be and you know like and we've talked about that with the kids thing because you know I I know that something that you had these expectations put on you and and I remember learning from that and thinking I don't want to put expectations on my kids that they have to go to university get married have kids whatever order you do it in I don't know I don't know the current order of how you do those (laughs) things or don't get married I think now it's like you go to university, you move in together, you have a kid, and then you get married. That seems to be how I yeah. see it played out. Go but whatever the cultural norm home. is, I didn't want them to have to follow that norm, you know? Right. And that could have been related to your – yeah, I just saw that related yeah. to your – You're um, right. There's certainly the you know, sort of how you chose to parent had everything yes. to do with your – some some disappointment or wish you'd had around the way you'd been parented yourself. You know, you simply chose to do it differently because you could see the impact of how your family had, had been for you and how your parents had been with you. And I think, boy, is that a powerful teaching tool there? Because what Mm -hmm. you're doing is setting everybody free who is reading your story, Mm -hmm. setting them free to say, wow, the parent I am, my decision around parenting at all, whether I even had children may have had everything to do with how I was raised or what I thought about um, what I thought about my family growing up. And Mm -hmm. then again, could have been entirely irrelevant and about something else, yeah. but it sets so many people free, doesn't it? To, yes. to explore what it, the whys and the wherefores of who we are now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if there, is there anything else that you plan to explore or that really clicks for you about how to, again, to illustrate this uh, moving into alignment exploration that you think your story is about? Well, I think the whole spiritual piece plays in there, like the spiritual alignment and, you know, getting to a place where I uh, live accordingly to what I believe and Uh not according to how I think I should be living in some Mm -hmm. other way. I think that's been a big part of my journey. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but you are. I think that's a piece of it. And I think that is something that you share, the two of you, in what you might explore in your stories. And certainly part of the attraction to one another is you've both had to reframe 
what the examples set for you, the stories that you were told, you know, you said, Sandy, about having to live in alignment with what you believed within yourself, not what the expectation was of how you should behave or what you should love or what you should believe. You you came to a point where you were going to choose for yourself whether you believed it or not. And Mm -hmm. Joanne, you know, you've hit on this. And as we move over to the what's your story question for you, we explored this quite well in the last episode where we talked about what how did you decide it was going to be different for you? What about your story was this reframe of, and a very brave reframe of, I don't think that is a fit for me. I don't feel strongly towards this, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to live differently. And that's, that's a, it's a lifestyle reframe as much as psycho-emotional as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I say to you, what's your story about now, Joanne, mm-hmm. I think we have we've clicked on a couple of amazing things just in the revelations you've said of what you've been thinking the last few weeks, but is your story now about decisions you made to make your lifestyle possible? Perhaps was it how you reframed for yourself and opened up to opportunity as a lifestyle choice for you? You had to wide open to opportunity in order to not answer the question, could we, with no all the time. You know, when you said to your husband, you know, could we go and move to Canada? Obviously, there were a few things that said no, but mostly you had set your life up in such a way that you could say yes to that Mm -hmm. opportunity. Yeah. I wonder if that reframe is part of your story. Yeah, I remember we first started and I think I said, oh, it would be around my decision or our decision not to have children. But no, well, if I was writing it today... It would be around the kind of 15, 17 years of living in different countries and mm-hmm. and the the different stories within that. So, the, yeah, there could be one around um, money and uh, there could obviously there would be one around what kind of lifestyle do we want to live, what decisions do we make around that in terms of, you know, that having children because absolutely I'm not I I know that the fact that we don't have children enables us to live this lifestyle of living in different countries so I think it'd be I can go here I'm going back to big picture again but you know something around um living a more unconventional life and I don't know if it's that unconventional with our generation now today but certainly (laughs) with my generation and my friends and my, it, it is, you know, there was a lot of my friends in Australia who went to England for their one or two years and then went back home, you know. Right. There's none that have kind of continued to, to go on. And the goods, the bads and the uglies, you know, missing yeah. missing the birthdays, missing the the wedding anniversary celebrations, missing certain things. But then the amazing stories of, um being able to explore parts of the world with our parents, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That could be another chapter, you know. What and the and the stories that Ashley's parents, for example, tell us that they never, they never ever would have left Australia had we not left Australia. Right. Um, so how we've impacted people's lives and I mean, there's so many stories. Oh, I like in there, that. But, yeah, I like that too. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. That whole idea of how your choices to follow mm-hmm. like your own call in your life to live your own life on your own terms has stretched other people in Mm. their lives to to go beyond their own comfort levels yeah it um it segues beautifully into my second question I always ask people is and this is a high level one I know I know you wanted to get to in your podcast which was like what's your message right what Mm. what is the message that you would want people to get from your book or for you from your story and Joanne where, where's what's your sense of what your message is is it you can live an unconventional life yeah yeah is, it, is that like, the message yeah you 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 can make decisions we, we did a whole podcast on decisions like every decision has its positive consequences and it's not so great consequences and okay. um, you know you're in control of how you view that and how you see that and, and the experience that you have within that. So I would hope that my stories would inspire people to 
take the courage to maybe do something different or do something that they don't think is um, the norm and what's normal these days. I, I just relate it back to when I was managing this young 25-year-old. She was a smart, smart woman and she just want, She kept asking me about living in England and I was mm-hmm. like, why don't you go? You've got par- You've got family from there. You can go on Ancestry. You can progress in your career whilst you're there. And she said, well, I have to do my master's. Mm. I have to stay. And I'm like, I did my master's when I was 40, like yeah. <laughs> 38. You, you're 25. You do not have to do it right now. So I would just hope that it would inspire women to be able to go, oh, yeah, how, how do I ask that different question? You know? Ah, that's great. How do I ask? Yeah. How do I ask the question to myself differently and get a fresh mm. answer? Yes. Right? Because because sometimes we keep giving ourselves the same answer. And a lot of the time it's no, I can't because. Yes. How, mm-hmm. how do we move again? It's reframe, obviously, but it's also reclaiming a new space for yourself that says, my next answer is going to be different. I'm going to find a way to move to that. So you open up and say, okay, what if I got these five things out of my way? I'll do the master's later. I don't need to be married now. Um, I've got a place to live. I can afford the flight. Away I go. And that's it. And I, that, that is, I mean, that is middle adulthood for women personified right there. But if we can inspire ourselves to explore the possibility of another answer to a a new rephrase of the question, Mm. then, then the opportunity is, is vast. And I think that's the role of a book like yours, because you have this honesty, if we can get you to write the book, that is, you have this <laughs> honesty around not always getting it right, and it didn't matter, and not ever having the answer, but saying the answer will appear. And you are going to have good faith in your own ability to respond when it does. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's so much strength that comes from that, that I know would inspire people to dip their toe in those cold pools of water, you know, in the Andes where knowing you, you've probably climbed, but it's, um, <laughs> it is, um, <laughs> it, that's what it's about, isn't it? I mean, the message for you is the inspiration by example, as well as mm-hmm. in, your own, in your own analysis of what it took and in the own, your own honesty about the things that you did miss and the things that you did make tough decisions about. And uh, I know that that's uh, exactly the way women like to learn um, is from each other is through story. So I guess that makes me go back to Sandy, like the good person I am and say, what, (laughs) what, what's your message? What can your story say about you? What do you want to say? So uh, I had a big reaction this week to something somebody posted online, and I think it ties into my story. They, you know, when you react to something and then you're going, why is like, what is that? And it was a, a picture of a woman who had taken up um, backcountry snowboarding. I think that's what it's okay. called. And the, um, the, the line underneath said, you know, at 22, so-and-so has taken this up. Proof that you're never too old to try something <laughs> new. Okay, do you react the same way I do? I certainly do. <laughs> Never too old at twenty-two. So I was older than twenty-two. I wrote on the. It was on Instagram, and this company had put it out, and I wrote like, "I'm sorry, she's twenty-two. <laughs> if if you're too old, I was just thinking, do people yeah. think you're too old at twenty-two? And then I thought, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I guess we should all have ourselves packed off somewhere yeah. and never leave home. Like we can't try anything new. And so I, I wrote. I said, you know, did I, you? I'm still trying things new. And then other women started writing too. I'm 49, and I just took up this. I'm, you know, nice. And I thought, I think that's part of my story. Is it's never too late to reframe your life. You know, like mm. to it's we have these cultural messages and that was just one example of it that, you know, everything is set in stone at a certain point and then you just have chosen your path and you just live it. But I think it's, it's never too late to decide I'm going to move to England for five years. It's never too late to go back to school and get your degree. 
It's right. You know, it's your life. Both is things life. I'm considering right now. There and, you but go. It is true. But you know, and there's there's a, another podcast is is getting somebody on in middle adulthood and say, what are you talking yourself out of yeah. now because of what the media and the world is filling you full of. I mean, imagine somebody who just wants to take up skiing for the first time in their life. They're, I don't know, 42. Seeing an ad like you saw where it's never too late at 22 to, pick up, <laughs> to take up backcountry snowboarding. And you're not going to get on skis at 42. You're going to think it's, it's completely ludicrous if you, if you take ads like that seriously. Yeah. 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 I would have had so, a reaction to that as well. So we interviewed uh, my friend Maureen Towns and uh, her episode came out in... Um, End of, end of January, and she shared her story of um, she has four kids and three of them are actually diagnosed with uh, mental illness. So she shared her story. And for the last two months, she's been backpacking around Thailand and writing ah. her memoir. And she's, oh. uh, I think she's late 40s. And I've just been loving it. I've been loving seeing her journey. And she's done things that I'm like, whoa, go for you. You know, she's been on a fishing boat and, can't, you know, lived on the fishing boat for a week and she's done scuba diving. And, and her last post was, I'm going to go back to Koh Samui and I'm going to continue writing my, my book. I'm just like, this is uh, amazing. And her kids are like, yes, mum, I love it. I yes. love it. So, yeah, ne- never too late. <laughs> How wonderful. I mean, isn't that a theme for every memoir we want to both write and read, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the never too late, the hopeful story that, that comes from, you know, I, and I think hope is a universal theme of just about every memoir I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want stories that that have a straight line up into the clouds. We don't need it to be a good news story, but we do want to know there's a kernel of hope at uh, at the end because we all want to keep on going somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, Patty, we've yep. gone through this process, and I've absolutely loved it because, as you've just so eloquently coached us into realizing that. That, that it is all about the process and, and, yes. and as long as we're open to the journey and, and what comes out in the end. Right. Um, and this is the process that you take your clients through. So what would be the process now? Would it be just continuing on of people writing and then sharing it's a great question and chapters with you. Yeah, awesome. I mean, and Sandy, you can jump in here because Sandy mm-hmm. and I have been have just just scratched the surface of, of working on her her project together. Mm-hmm. But that is how it works. So here's the unique part um, that about coaching when it comes to book coaching. You you run a myriad of roles in each call, and I remain completely flexible. And I know that you most coaches do. You have to be flexible and see mm-hmm. where your person is at. But it might be a day where you've written something that you just love that week and you send it off to me in advance and say I really want to dig into this some people want comments back some people actually want to edit it some people want to walk through as I progress with people I get them to read it out loud to me so that we can stop and start and I'll say hey how about a little story over here about this or didn't you tell me once that you researched this in college or your mom told you a story about your family history here so that's exactly what it is so the coaching starts with this huge brain dump of material where we open the question of what's your story and we talk as long as that takes or until exhaustion makes us break the call into other pieces about what would that story likely contain which then lets me get an idea of what are the themes how might we structure it and more than anything I get to see what's bubbling up and I say this I make this expression a lot but I can't overemphasize this bubbling cauldron of stories that is our wrestling with our own history you know we're trying to always see which one which one's pressing through which one's pressing through that's what happens first so if there's a hot story pressing through I'll encourage somebody to write that sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's two pages bullet point sometimes 18 pages flows out and we start there Meanwhile, we have these tools in the hopper that we develop together, the timeline that we work on together. We come up with this master memory list together that then becomes three or four months down the line, becomes like a a mock outline that you write to. So you might have a week where you don't know what to write. You don't need me to tell you that. You go to this master memory list and you say, oh, yeah, there's that memory we talked about. I can write that today. So we hop around about you choose what you want to write. We talk about how it's going. We review it to, together to make your writing better. But we never overemphasize quality, 
audience or what the output is going to be, the final product, until really late into the process. And Sandy, you might want to jump in on that about mm -hmm. how the last thing that we speak about sort of in our first months of working on something is what you might want the final product to be. Um, I think knowing that you want to write about your life and that book length sort of goals are in mind that you mm -hmm. want to write lots of stories you want to write 60 stories as opposed to one I think that is important to know before you would start coaching or certainly before you would jump into an online course uh, or jump into another sort of platform but all you really have to know is that you're ready right so I think yeah I think you've explained it really well I one of the things that I've really appreciated is when I've written a story and then we kind of go through it together and then you help me to see maybe areas where I could go into more depth in that story and mm -hmm. sometimes in in that when I go back and then I think okay so what what really happened there like yes. like how can I write more about that because well as you've noticed with Joanne and I today I tend to be very <laughs> conceptual and big picture Mm -hmm. And I make leaps in my thinking and in my speech all the time that I expect other people to follow. Mm -hmm. And when you're writing, you need to help your, you, you need to bring your reader into those. You've never said those exact words to me, but when you've identified areas like I need to maybe go into more detail, I think that's, it's what it's mm -hmm. doing. It's like, oh, you were here and now you're here. Like, what? How did? Like, what happened How'd in you between get there? there? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. those right. are some mm -hmm. of the things that I think. And then that, I think sometimes in those leaps is where there's real depth that we can miss. It's it's true. You know, we get into a practice of missing it because we're not telling our stories. So that's where an audience. Um, is first tested is on the page. You know, we don't think about how we go from, um, I feel really comfortable in this room, I and I moved in for six months, there's a, a few gaps in logic there. <laughs> yeah. I really like this room, and I decided to move in. Somehow we want to know what was it about that room, how'd you make the decision, and why did you choose six months in that room? But that and that's it is that we just have to be told to slow it down and remember that if you're telling the story to somebody you need you just need some kind of through thread or some kind of line to mm -hmm. uh so that they can follow you and we all do it right i mean our minds work so much more rapidly than our fingers that uh we have to slow it down sometimes mm -hmm. any any other uh, revelations about how coaching works when you're book coaching i'd be interested to have you share that with people about because again i i'm always fighting against this intrinsic notion that folks come to me with with that you should be suffering in isolation in order to write <laughs> well i th i do think having you know one of the huge things that you did with one of my stories was had me read it out loud to you yes and um that was just hearing it completely different for me. And, um, you know, and then hearing what you heard back was <laughs> because we hear like, it's the same thing. We hear what we, our voice in it, but <laughs> you don't have my voice in your head. So not yet. Maybe if we do one more episode, you'll have my voice <laughs> in your head. But so you're hearing it with your own ideas. And it, I just found that extremely helpful. Mm. Well, and not, not emotionally connected. Like, as you said earlier, Sandy, we're all coaches. So whenever mm. we're coaching people, mm -hmm. we can hear different themes that they may not necessarily be hearing or seeing. And then we can okay. kind of replay that back. And that's what I've found just on these calls that you've been able to draw out some different themes or ask questions that help me draw out, oh, right, yeah, okay, so that's a totally different thought. I hadn't even thought of that. You know, I hadn't even right. thought that that was important to me. But that's yeah, what you were hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you saying it. It's There's, um, you know, being the listener, uh, and I prefer to listen than to speak, which is why the, the podcast and the teaching and the coaching is such a stretch for me because – um, I do hear things that yes. you can't hear yet. So then the, a delicacy and a sensitivity comes into us working together. That is, I wait for right timing. 
So there's always, you know, the old expression method in your madness. Well, there's, there's always a lot of method in my madness. And certainly I have a typical trajectory of how clients move from first story to book, but it's, um, it's so individuated. It's completely what you're ready for in your own time at your own pace with your comfort level, because we are writing about our lives here, right? We're not, and sometimes lots of people come to me to write business books or other nonfiction projects. And certainly I have fiction clients, but around memoir, there's this And it's not intimacy exactly, you know, we're not, you don't become friends with your client, but you do lock your stories into my vault. And with that comes my responsibility, which is to make sure that this feels comfortable for you all the time. And I'm responding to where you're at. So I would say how coaching works is it is, um, it's this interplay of what do you need today and how can I support you? is has to be um, has to be what a person looks for in getting coaching and certainly what they measure the success of their coaching relationship by and that's really important to me when I work with folks mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I think I've I've certainly felt it on these few calls so to help our listeners yes you mentioned earlier that you have an offer that we're going to be able to share you're going to do that I'm going to give away lots of fun stuff so one of the things I'm going to do is I created an e-workbook which has a whole bunch of I won't say writing prompts because I don't really believe in them but a, a whole bunch of places to start it shows you how to do the timeline and what it is is it's about 40 pages it's beautiful you can print it it's done in an ebook format so I'm going to be giving you guys that and all they have to do is give you their name and sign up and I will you'll send them the download and we'll work this out through your comments and uh, maybe you'll decide that you want to do this through your mailing um, the system that you have with folks so folks should make sure that they're signed up on your mailing list if uh, they want to get freebies and one of the other things that that will do if they send their email is I can sign them up and log them into my online writing school which is called the memoir writing studio I'll sign them in there and what they'll get is a great big fat coupon to pay seven they'll get 75% off of the courses and that are in my school right now which basically means that you can get a memoir started for about 20 bucks and it has access to um, two courses right now where I take people through two different ways of starting starting your book. One follows the workbook style of this what's your story where I tug at your memory about um, different different elements of your life. There's a there's one where we talk about writing about multi-sensory experiences and then there's some people really function well if they do list making. So I take you through I think there are 45 exercises in there that just to try and tug at your memory in different ways to figure out what kind of writing makes sense for you. It might be list making. It might be writing about a photograph. It might be holding an image in your mind and writing every single aspect of it. It might just be writing a scene in the the clearest way that you can. But I walk people through these different ways of writing so that we don't all feel like we have to sit down and be writing, you know, with Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, skill or being Joan Didion, you know, because that's not where we start. Sometimes just getting ink on the page is a miracle. And I'm all about that. So Mm -hmm. I am going to be making sure that you can give away a workbook that people can print themselves or follow along and give you an atrociously gigantic discount to my online school to make sure that people can try some courses for next to nothing. And all they have to do is make sure that you have their mailing address. I'm making you guys do all this work. (laughs) Well, that's great. We will um, send it out to people already on our newsletter as well. And then um, if you're not on our newsletter... Um, make sure that you are getting our newsletter or our mailing list. Just make sure that you sign up and we'll make sure you get that. Wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Patty, this has been a wonderful journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really nice meeting you. <laughs> and this is not ending, right? No, you know that. no. I want to I sign it off for our and, and Sandy, I'm sure, has a few things to say to sign it off. But um you know, as as probably the 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 one third of our little group here <laughs> that doesn't read as much or write as much as you two, I have really I have really valued the journey and valued mm. the process that you've taken us through, and uh, you know, I started to reframe my own little issues about about writing and storytelling. So it's been helpful so for fun. me, 
as I'm sure has been helpful for some of our listeners because I think we probably have as many listeners who aren't as avid readers and as writers as you guys as we do have who are avid readers and writers like you both. So oh, thank you, thank you for saying that. I'm uh, I'm glad that you've enjoyed it. It's uh, it was great to be able to come into it knowing that you had you had a little resistance because that's very yeah. natural. That's very natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking when Joanne said that it's, you know, it's not where you start in this mm. process. You can jump in anywhere. Just um, everyone has a story, I think. And yeah. I've really appreciated that you've taken us through such a um, well thought through and, and uh, well organized process because, you know, I love the the line, the timeline and the gathering the stories aspect of it. I found it, I find it really helpful. It's not like I have to sit down and know where I'm going. I can just Mm -hmm. start with any story. It could have happened last week or it could have happened 20 years ago and start Mm -hmm. there. And I think that for me has been really helpful. I appreciate that. Ah, wonderful. It's an absolute pleasure. You guys. Thank Mm. you. And I'm sure we'll have you on for a fifth episode at some point in the near future. <laughs> in the near future. There what may a- be an announcement or two to celebrate. You never yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> Hi, Life Reframers. Did you enjoy our episode today? If so, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.